Bring me your tired, your stressed, your overwhelmed and anxious, yearning for some joy in life. It's time to go out and play. This is Kara Stuart Fortier, and I have an exciting announcement to make. Playgrounding is back. And I can't tell you how excited I am about this first episode. Today, you're going to hear from drama therapist Jamie Lynn McCoppin. Jamie is a registered drama therapist, life skills coach, and founder of Spark of Play. She has been using playful techniques for stress relief for the past 20 years in her work as an educator, playwright, actress, magician, clown, and psychotherapist. The mission of her company, Spark of Play, is to help grown-ups and professionals find relief, build confidence, and reignite their spark through play and creative self-expression. You can engage with Spark of Play via individual coaching sessions, workshops, and wellness programs. I'm so excited to finally have some new episodes for you, so let's get to it. Here's Jamie. So tell me a little bit about what you do. It's called Spark of Play. It's just fascinating to me, especially during this time um, with COVID-19. And you live in a city that is being ravaged by it at the moment still, as far as I know. Um, Tell me a little bit about what you do and how that's impacted your world right now. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I'm I'm in the epicenter. um, But of course, all I see are my apartment walls. (laughs) So I know there's a a lot of suffering outside and, um, I feel very fortunate that my husband and I are feeling good and still able to do our work virtually. So this is, this is a big deal because normally, um, I do the embodied kind of experience with play. Uh, so spark of play started last year in April and it was a dream of mine to have my own practice. I'm a drama therapist, registered drama therapist, and I've worked in all sorts of venues, hospital settings, school settings, you name it. And I had wanted to move back to New York City and kind of do my own thing with drama therapy. So um, I'm doing some non-clinical work as a drama therapist and some clinical work. Um, And so it's been a really interesting time uh, as a new business because, you know, I, I have gotten to a point where people kind of know I'm the play person (laughs) in various communities. um, And now people are seeing how play can help them through anxiety. So a lot of my training, I should mention, is in trauma. So I, I did work very closely with people going through trauma. People have had um, PTSD for many years mm. and they were wanting to try something different and wanting to find embodied ways to heal. And so play is one of those ways. And I'm, I'm digging it. I, I, I really have enjoyed being able to support people in this time and figuring out a way to do it through this virtual platform. And it's possible. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's amazing. Because <laughs> um, I imagine there's a lot of play that also involves body work as well. Um, so do you, do you do that kind of stuff as well? Is it hard to do that during doing virtual or do you just give homework assignments? <laughs> Um, no, I, I invite somebody to stand with me and 
you know, there's, there's lots of fun things I found. Um, I practice a, a certain kind of drama therapy called developmental transformations, okay. which is all about being embodied, being, um, able to make sounds and movement and maybe take on roles or maybe, maybe not. Um, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a, like an improvisation between therapist and client that doesn't have to follow a linear storyline. So it's basically coming, coming out with anything that is coming up. (laughs) And so I've been experimenting with how to do that virtually. And I know a few other drama therapists are also at that point. And it's kind of cool how it works. I I find that um, even getting up and picking up my laptop and moving (laughs) around um, and getting close and (laughs) pulling away, there are so many things you can do, you know. And if you create that imaginal space together with someone else, the possibilities are only as limited as you want them to be. Wow. So it involves a lot the of imagination. With, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Lots of, oh no. Sorry. I was just going to say okay. uh, yes to imagination. Um, but the one thing that isn't possible is the physical contact, which yeah. would typically happen. It would typically happen in, in a one-on-one or group session um, doing developmental transformations. Physical contact is a part of it hmm. because we, believe, you know, and see that, uh, physical contact is a human need Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, it's something that can be very healing. And so that's part of our play typically. Huh. Wow. Well, as somebody who I, I spent several years actually in the last five or six years, several of them, I've, have been in therapy, uh, eating disorder, uh, PTSD, all of that kind of fun stuff. And so I've been to a lot of different types of therapists. Um, I know a lot of people go through the gauntlet when they go into like their health insurance or their family doctor with these kinds of issues. And then, so you end up seeing these people and it feels like this, you're constantly taking tests and quizzes to see how good or bad you're, you are, you know, you're constantly, you're, I feel like you're just kind of constantly rehashing all these stories. And, and I feel like sometimes, you know, if I, cause I was relatively new to the whole process and just getting to the point where I'm sitting down with someone just feels like work. It's like, but it's the good work. It's the work you have to do. Um, and I, and I have come to love it. I, I did find a therapist I can't always afford, but I will always save up and go back to her now because I know her. And, um, but, but what is it like to go into your first drama therapy? Just because I have no idea how this works. I mean, it sounds amazing and whimsical, but I'm also like, what actually happens? <laughs> like, what's the yeah. process? Mm, yes. Uh, many give away all your wonder. secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm so glad you asked because it is, it's something that, um, you know, it's, it's experiential, but I can explain Mm -hmm. what might happen. Right. So typically when I start working with someone, I don't, um, start off with let's get up and do some acting. You know, (laughs) I I don't ask people to do that right away. Um, and what I like to do though, is to find out somebody's play style. And I have an assessment for that. Um, There, I think you've mentioned in your podcast before, Stuart Brown. Yes. And his book, Play. 
Yeah. You have so an assessment that for that? Oh. Yes, it's it's all from his book, really. I, I kind of gathered the information about the eight play archetypes. Mm-hmm. And um, and you can kind of, you know, it's it's a survey, basically. And it's to help somebody whittle down those top three dominant play personalities they have or mm-hmm. styles. And uh, we look at those and we kind of look at, okay, where are you presenting these in your life now? Mm. What do you miss? What from childhood typically, what can you bring back, you know, brainstorming activities that they can do? Because of course, since I'm a drama therapist, I prefer storytelling, (laughs) theater, you know, play pretend, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, But not everybody enjoys that. So I try not to privilege the drama therapy, but Mm. Um, even with people who might be resistant to doing a little play with me, embodied, um, making silly sounds, <laughs> movements, uh, things like that. I think, um, they still are very surprised when they find that it helps them because one of the best things I think about drama therapy is that it provides new insight and mm. any kind of play, right? Like we can kind of come things from a different angle mm-hmm. and it can be like, Oh, wait a minute. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. Or I never related to my spouse in that way before, but maybe I'll try this. <laughs> um, so a session with me might look like, um, you know, in the first couple of sessions we're we're still learning each other. I'm, I'm asking a lot of different kinds of questions, history and what's coming up right now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of interventions have to do with, okay, let's check in with your body. How is your body feeling? Where is it in your body? Maybe giving a voice to that, you know, um, doing uh, sort of exercises around um, projection, like maybe I'll use an image and I'll say, what speaks to you about this image? Um, and they can write they can write it down and then maybe they get up and they perform it as a monologue or mm. maybe we do some improv around it. There's always things to be found in any kind of projection, right? So mm-hmm. that's that's a tool a lot of drama therapists use is using that um, yep. kind of thing. Yeah. And, w- and would you mind just finding projection? What do you mean by that in this context? Sure. Um, so we use projective techniques. So for example, using... Um, an object or an image or a character from a story. And those are outside of us, right? Those are external. Mm -hmm. So when we see something, typically we, we project almost like projecting a movie onto a screen. Mm -hmm. What is happening inside for us and where does it link up with that external object? So a lot of times when, let's say you're looking at a picture of something, you'll notice something that speaks to you. And typically there's a message in there. So these projections can actually be very helpful to our healing. Wow. The parts of us that need a voice. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I might've mentioned, I, I went to New York way back when, like 20 years ago in my twenties. And I thought I wanted to be an actor, but it was mainly because I, I was divorced very young in at 22 because I came out of a very religious um, situation and 
I, acting just kind of fell into my lap through a Shakespeare class. And I swear, I thought that was one of the most healing things that ever could have happened to me. And I just didn't want it to stop. And of course, when I got to New York, I realized I'm here with this cutthroat kind of situation of like, okay, I need to make it or not. And I'm like, well, I didn't love it that much, but I love what it did for me. And I now, I mean, you, I think you just put into words what was happening as I was processing those texts and being mm-hmm. in those situations with those other people and, and voice work. Oh, voice work was very powerful. <laughs> And I love your voice, by the way. Oh, well, no, I, I owe it to, um, I don't know where she is, but her name is Zan. I don't remember, but I think of her all the time because people couldn't ever even hear me in a restaurant ordering food. Um, and when she opened up my voice and helped me find it, I just burst into tears as did many of the students. Um, but that was what I took away from my, my acting school time in New York was that I found my voice and it's just people who, who put down the work that actors do to do what they do. And I didn't even touch, I, I scratched the surface, um, but they really do have to learn a lot about who they are as humans to become that, you know. Absolutely. That's, um, that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. How exciting. Well, well, how did you get into it? So let's just kind of backtrack a little bit. This is so unique. And um, yeah, I'd kind of love to hear a little bit more. I hear like the maybe... Yeah, <laughs> I know a little bit of it. I want to like ask all these questions, but I want you to go ahead and tell it your way. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, when you were talking about your theater experience, um, you know, it makes me flash back to my theater experiences and my desire was really to be an actor mm-hmm. for so, so many years. I did a lot of acting, you know, through grade school and high school and then when I came to college, I made a choice not to study acting, but to study creative writing. Mm. And I think that was because I, I saw I got the most praise for my writing more than my acting. So I was like, well, well okay, I'll go in this direction. But I wasn't truly <laughs> satisfied with that. So when I moved to New York, of course, I was like, all right, I want to claim my identity as an actor and I'm going to go through the trainings and <laughs> So I, I did two things. I, I studied with Second City um, Improv Training Center that was here in New York mm-hmm. many, many years ago. And I went through all the levels and that was like, it was just this huge experience for me and my soul. And it it provided a community that I still have ties with today. Mm-hmm. And it kind of like shot me off in this creative direction where, you know, I was suddenly like writing plays that I performed, you know, and I was in touch with some of the most talented people, in my opinion, in Mm -hmm. New York at the time and collaborating with them. It was such an exciting time. And so I saw how improv was very therapeutic for me and finding my voice and my spontaneity and connecting with my inner child Mm -hmm. and being, you know, being silly. I, I'm a humorous, I'm a very humorous person, but to have (laughs) a structure to express that in was super fun and life-changing because Mm -hmm. once I did that, I really, I came out of a shell and one of one of the career paths I took was clowning. So, <laughs> so I became Funny Winks the Clown for the next 10 years. Funny and, Winks, I love it. 
Yeah. Funny winks. And I never would have guessed that. It was something I kind of um, stumbled into, but it started in hospitals. I did hospital clowning and magic shows and um, learned so much. And it was actually years into my clowning experience, I met uh, an art therapist in a hospital setting. And she said, so you must be a drama therapist, right? (laughs) And I was like, whoa, what is that? I had never heard of drama therapy before. And it was sort of this immediate, like, I've got to look into this. And once I did, I realized that I had been learning all the skills to then further, you know, further develop into a drama therapist. Wow! And it was, it was so cool to have that experience. Yeah. Oh my. And so when, when you were doing hospitals as a clown, were you doing a lot of mostly with, were you working with children or were you working yes. with adults? Both like, yeah, mostly children. Children. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, wow. Um, wow. There are just so many places I want to go because it's just such an exciting topic. I've thought about it for so long and especially the Stuart Brown aspect. Um, and maybe, maybe we could go a little bit into what's happening right now with COVID-19 and, and the importance of play right now. And, and I didn't, didn't mean to get us into the weeds here, and, but I wonder if we could talk a little bit about play styles. Um, just okay. because I, I feel like, I feel like there's this thing that happens where everybody gets onto a thing. Like right now it's sourdough bread. And everyone's out there comparing their sourdough bread to each other and showing pictures of their kitchens and all the things. And, and that's awesome. And I had this little something tickled in the background. I'm like, I should try sourdough bread. And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to, you know, but I think honestly, a few years back, I might've just done it because that was a thing that people were doing that they found fun. And I feel like over the years, I started to realize that most of the things I was doing for fun were other people's ideas. And I just think it would be fun to kind of talk about finding your own play style. And maybe somebody hasn't even thought about that yet (laughs) in Mm -hmm. in choosing what they do, because I think sometimes we think we're doing something that's fun, but we're still just as annoyed as ever. But maybe we're not doing something that we actually find fun. (laughs) Right. I, I love this topic because one of the reasons I was so excited when I read Stuart Brown's book in, in graduate school was like, I always wondered what my play style was like, mm-hmm. what is it exactly? And to have a name for it is a lot of fun. So let's name them first. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So we have the um, artist creator and that's somebody who likes to work with their hands, usually crafty, uh, maybe a visual artist, sculptor, Um, somebody who likes to take things apart and put them back together again. So even some engineers, you have this in them, you know, Mm -hmm. um, somebody who likes to make things anew as well, like, uh, maybe redecorating their home is really fun for them. Yeah. So that's, that's the artist creator. Okay. And then we have the, the kinesthete or the kinesthet. Um, mm-hmm. So somebody who likes to be in their body, somebody who likes to move their body. <laughs> so any kind of like physical activity, exercise, dance, um, yoga. Sometimes these types, they really like to move while they're brainstorming something or talking on the phone. They'd rather be moving their body. And this, this is helpful to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I have some of that. 
in me too. That's, that's cool. I think, one of my dominant styles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and stop me, Kara, when you no. hear yours. Okay, I will. I will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if they want to add anything too. Okay, no worries. Um, so then we have, let's see, we have the Joker. Yeah. So, that's my husband. Oh yeah. Joke teller. <laughs> He's a joker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So these types, you know, they really do love making people laugh mm-hmm. and they can do that with your, your standard joke with a punchline. They can do that with funny stories. They can do that with maybe quoting movies that are funny. Oh yeah. Memes, <laughs> memes, memes, memes. Memes. Yeah, memes. We gotta add that in now. Oh yeah. Modern memes. <laughs> Uh, and you know, people, practical jokes too, you know, um, so pretty straightforward, but the Joker really, like, if that's one of your dominant play personalities, you'll know it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, and then we have, uh, let's see, we have the director. So the director is somebody who enjoys organizing groups of people for events, <laughs> or maybe they'll, they'll host a party any day, right? These types, yeah. um, they don't have to be literally a director of a play or a movie or something like that, but they are typically the leader of their social group mm-hmm. and they enjoy that. They actually enjoy the details, you know? Yeah. Um, and let's see we have I'm picturing people in my head as we go through going, oh, that's this person that's this. <laughs> yeah. we, we have these people in our lives right yeah, like, yeah. it's it's good to know because we can kind of help too if you're thinking about gifts for somebody like yes yes it's their play style exactly <laughs> um let's see then we have the collector the collector mm-hmm. Uh, so this is somebody who really gets into objects, collecting objects, putting them on display in their household, showing them off to friends. You know, it could be that, uh, also they travel and maybe every time they travel, they have to visit cathedrals, for example, because they're collecting the experience of visiting different cathedrals and they take photographs and they have the album that shows, yeah. So. <laughs> and it's funny because if you if that's not your personality but say you go on vacation with somebody who's a collector it can get really annoying because it's hard for the other people to switch gears that way but it's funny now that I hear you say that I'm like I never thought of it that way like I didn't really understand why this person had to go to each one of these things they had to do it it's, it's on what they the list enjoy. yeah they yeah Brings them joy. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that's how they play. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, the collector. And then there's the explorer, which sometimes they overlap. So explorer is a bit different because explorers don't necessarily have to, you know, visit all the cathedrals. But Mm -hmm. explorers like to have a new environment. Um, And sometimes they even explore their own environment in different ways. But... Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's getting out, getting out and traveling and maybe, maybe not traveling like to a different country, but going to new restaurants in their neighborhood, trying new things. Mm -hmm. Um, The other part of that as an an explorer is somebody who likes to get curious with other people and deepen their conversations by asking, you know, the real 
the questions of hmm. life and they want to get to the bottom of people, you know, they, oh. they prefer that. Interesting. Is that so, you, Kara? Uh, yes, I absolutely am that. Yes. <laughs> it's really hard to like be in quarantine during that, doing, doing all of that. But yeah. And maybe I guess that's why I'm spelunking with my husband, figuring out the depths of all of our things we could talk about. And maybe that's part of it. <laughs> That, yes, absolutely. really lucky he's going along with it. So. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, Spelunking. Yeah, I guess it's <laughs> going to go cave dwelling. <laughs> that's a great word. Yeah. Cool. And you're spelunking with me right now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, so, how, I- so, which we've gotten to, oh, where are we at right now? Um, I think there's one more. Is it the um, make believe fairy believer type, like a you know? storyteller? <laughs> that might be me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> the storyteller, yeah, the mm-hmm. storyteller is, is somebody who really um, values and uses their imagination. So, you know, the type who can amuse themselves with any boring kind of task by <laughs> being in their daydream, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe, maybe you, maybe you're like my mom, my mom will sing while she sweeps the floor, you know, and entertain herself. And mm-hmm. she'll be thinking about the last romance novel that she read or she'll, you know, imagine herself in a Netflix show, you know? So being in that imagination space and loving stories and loving to tell your stories. Mm -hmm. And, and it could be, you know, some people say, well, I don't, I don't like to perform or I don't like to tell stories necessarily, but they can also be the enjoyer of Mm -hmm. stories and receiving those stories. Yeah. And I feel like maybe this is the one play style that people think they all know about a little bit easier just because storytellers love to tell their stories, meaning that Michael Enda read, wrote The NeverEnding Story. And in all of our storybooks and fairy tales, the magician's TV show, um, we think we link play and childhood to our enjoyment of childhood stories. But it doesn't mean that maybe that's the thing that that connects you back to play at your root. It's just, that's the one we kind of maybe know more about um, that. And I think, is it competition one as well? Like competitiveness? Oh, sorry, yes. No, it just occurred to me mm-hmm. because I feel like that's the one that I, that I bump up against the most because I'm not com- com- competitive. So people who, if you find yourself in a friend group where people love to play board games in a very competitive way, it can just be like jarring and like, it's not enjoyable and it's hard for me to sort of switch gears. Um, but yeah, no, it's just fascinating because there are certain play styles that I think people understand and know better, but it helps us be better friends to think about these things, I think. I don't know. Yeah, it's just fascinating. It's really funny because, yeah, I'm not so much a competitor and that's probably why I blanked out on that one. <laughs> right? No, I just, I just remembered it because. Of... <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, sourdough bread, like everybody's doing it, but maybe yeah. that's maybe there was something in that kind of like everybody's posting their pictures or whatever they're doing and Mm -hmm. you don't really want to play with that side of it. But if you have any artist creator in you, maybe like the action of like making it, you know, and and yeah, but 
it's interesting where we engage and where we want to disengage. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times, especially during a time like this, where we are literally stuck and having to come up with new ideas for how we live our everyday life without going crazy. When a child goes out onto the playground for the first time, um, you know, in the day, the bell rings and they go, there's no limit to the amount of things they can think of that they might want to do out there on the playground. It's just second nature to a child, but we start to lose that. And I feel like once we even think about the idea of play, it seems odd. And then two, the fact that we can play is like, well, what do I do? You know, so this, this whole idea of looking at your play style, it's, it's in Stuart Brown's books, it's really powerful. And it really takes you through all of those types. And if you are working with a drama therapist, which you can virtually here <laughs> um, with Jamie. Uh, yeah, you'll learn more about that. But. It's, it's so fascinating. Um, <laughs> but I know what you mean. You know, as adults, we, we get stuck a lot easier, right? Yeah. Because we have responsibilities and mm -hmm. we have to get things done. Mm -hmm. and there's this, this pressure that we didn't have as kids sometimes, not for all kids, but um, when you're looking at play as an adult, I know that there is a resistance because there's an automatic sort of vision of like what that is. And, you know, some of it for me, when I'm working with clients, some of it is bringing them back to that child wonder, childlike wonder space and let's play pretend and let's, mm -hmm. you know, actually let some things out that we normally wouldn't as adults yeah, and it's okay. You have permission, you know, this is a big deal to have the permission to not have to make sense no, all the time. Not have to make sense. I love that. Oh my goodness. So we're coming toward the end. I just want to make sure if somebody did want to work with you virtually, especially at this time, um, what would they need to do? What would they expect? How does that work? Well, I have various various offerings um, besides my individual one-on-one -on -one coaching work and therapy work. Uh, so my website is sparkofplay.com. And, you know, um, I have groups. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a group coming up next Wednesday night. We're beginning a six-week program called oh, Playing wow. It Real. Oh, wow. That's great. It's going to be so cool. I, I've been um, leading these groups since September. And it's for individuals who want to gain more confidence in the way that they communicate and relate with others. And I use sociodrama. It's a, it's a form that a lot of drama therapists use and a lot of educators use it as well. But it's a very dynamic role play structure. Okay. It's super fun. You don't have to have any acting experience at all. Um, but this time around is going to be a little bit different because we're going to explore what roles we play in our life and what role we would like to play in our life. Oh, wow. And then we're going to have like an episodic, you know, sociodrama that takes place over the six weeks. Wow. So you can practice that role. That's great. Okay. That, wow. That just sounds amazing. Well, wow. Well, and thank you so much for being on this today and also for reaching out to me. I've been kind of on the fence about when to start and how to start and just talking to you just really pushed me over the edge um, and made me say, why am I waiting? <laughs> I'm ready to go. Um, I was almost when I talked to you and now I am. And I just appreciate you reaching out and um, 
Yeah, this is awesome because the reason why you connect, we connected was because you were searching for a name for a program you're starting for children, yes. Play Plus Ground. And so you're, you also work with children. Yes. Um, so yeah, this is, it was just what a great Google, Google, I can't even say it, Google coincidence, <laughs> a Google, Google serendipity. So yes. I appreciate it very much getting to meet you. Uh, same, Kara. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jamie. If you're interested in her six-week workshop series, Playing It Real, to help you boost your social confidence, visit her website, sparkofplay.com workshops. I'll also include a direct link to the workshops Eventbrite page in this episode's show notes, which you can find at playgrounding.com 45. Join us again next week when we'll have a conversation about courage, the courage to face your feelings in the face of coronavirus, as well as the courage to face this new world with an adventure mindset. I'll also give you a little update about how and why the Playgrounding podcast won't be going away again anytime soon. Until then, stay healthy, stay safe, and go tell someone how much you love them. Have a great week.